tonight I want to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to use a text and I'm going to be in and out of the text. I'm going to use a text to which I hope to paint some principles that have become near and dear to me. And I want you to go to Gospel of St. Luke, chapter number 5, verse 6 through 9. Gospel of St. Luke, chapter number 5, verse 6 through 9. Luke. Luke. L-U-K-E. Luke. <laughs> Amen. You have it? When you have it, stand up. I'm be, I'm do me. I stand for the reading of the word. And, and I sit on you if you can't handle it. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Only when you read King James can you say fishes. Yeah. And their net break. And their net break. Mm -hmm. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which had been taken. There's two things I want you to notice. Uh, in verse 7, I want you to notice, underline, underscore, highlight, whatever you can do, the word partners. And they beckon unto their partners. And in verse 6, in the B cloth of verse 6, there were so many fishes <laughs> that their net began to break. Remain standing, I'm going to pray with you, but I'm going to, over the next few minutes, be talking, talking along the lines of breaking point. Breaking point. There is a point where you either shatter internally or externally, corporately, church-wise. They're the reason that churches get to 500 and can't get over it. They're the reason that you grow your business to, to $1.6 million a year, but you can't get over it. There is a breaking point that requires a new organizational structure, a new realigning of ideas and creativity, a, a new uh, a philosophical ideology through which you do leadership. And how you handle the breaking point determines whether you survive or not. You cannot have a marriage that lasts 30, 40 years if it has never reached a yeah, I know some of you can't say anything because you're sitting, you're sitting right beside the breach. <laughs> yeah. But the difference between people who get married three years and then get divorced and people who have been married 30 years is how you handle the breaking point. If you don't learn how to master the breaking point, you may have many ventures, but you will not accrue massive success in any area because you have not mastered the breaking point. Every time life runs you to a breaking point, you will give up and quit. You will back away and run. You will say, this is too hard, this is too emotional, this is too stressful, and you will back away. You cannot be a champion until you have survived a breaking point. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? 
Let's pray. Father, I ask you over the next few minutes that you would use these lips of clay to say something gold, that you would use this earthen vessel to say something divine, that you would use this terrestrial body to speak celestial truth. Great God that you are. Thank you for being the massive God that you are. You are the God that is so comprehensive that we cannot understand you. You go beyond human comprehension. Your thoughts, your ways, your ideas, your philosophical ideologies are so far beyond us as high as the heavens are from the earth, so high is your way above our ways. But just put us on the elevator tonight and take us a little bit higher that we might be endowed with the grace that comes from God alone to do the God things in a kingdom way. Thank you for what you're about to do in this place. Transformative power is in this place. Deliverance is in this place. And I call it done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Talking to a Jack Leg country preacher born in the hills of West Virginia, June 9, 1957, on the side of a hill. My father was a janitor, started a business with a mop and a bucket, and ended up with 52 employees back in the 60s, when that seemed almost impossible for a black man to do. My mother was an educator whose first school was to teach her own kids. All of us could read and write before any teacher ever saw us because she started her ministry in the house before she went on to teaching school. That, it was from that environment that I was extrapolated. When I was called to preach and started, called to preach, recognized my calling at 17, entered into the ministry at 19, started pastoring at 22, I had the illustrious, elaborate, excessive congregation of seven people. Seven people, that's counting pregnant people, deceased people, everybody. I had seven people. I pastored seven people in a town that had a red light. So when you directed people, you say, go down to the red light and turn left. <laughs> there weren't two red lights. You couldn't be confused. There's only one red light in the whole town. And I pastored there for almost 10 years. I could not imagine I got a prophecy from a lady that said that God was going to give us 400 souls, and by then we had about 40, and I was driving most of them back and forth to church in my 1967 Valiant with the floorboard rusted out the bottom, halfway depressed when one of my members said to me, Pastor, if God gives us 400 people, where are we going to put them? This was a dilemma for which I had no answer and no solution because I had no bona fide way of understanding the difference between seed and harvest. Seed is embryonic harvest. Everything that harvests is going to be the seed already is in embryonic stages. And I did not know then that those seven people were the seed from which greatness would utterly emanate and move across the universe and touch people in all types of walks of life. I did not recognize it because I was back in the back of the church trying to find the mop and bucket and clean the church after service while my pregnant wife slept on the pews waiting for night service. I say all of that to say it does not matter where you start. It only matters where you finish. The difference between start and finish is determined by how you handle the breaking point. 
Recently, uh, we, we had a staff development training in our church. We've got about 300 employees in our church. I have both a not-for-profit and for-profit company. The for-profit company, TDJ Enterprises, we do partnerships with Sony and, and various book publishers, as well as film producers and daytime television. And we disseminate our products and design our products to reach people uh, in California at Hollywood so that we can reach people around the world in our for-profit company. So I have both a not-for-profit and a for-profit company. And comprehensively, all of them together make up about a 320 employees. And we brought them all together and we, we developed a new normal. I noticed that was your theme. It's ours too. We developed a new normal and our new normal was, it came with the realization that we were, we survive in our, both our faith environment and our business environment through partnerships. And once we begin to understand that the DNA of our organization was built upon partnerships, it alleviated the stress of competition. Because if you can see both people externally and internally with which you have to do as partners, your relationships become more fruitful because you recognize them to be partners. And let me tell you something, the greatest equity, the greatest resource that you can have in the world today is relationships. So if you are not relational, you are losing resource. You are hemorrhaging over who you didn't touch. Ask the woman with the issue of blood. If you don't learn how to touch people, you can never stop the issues that exist internally or externally in your church, in your life, in your family, in your business. So the one thing that the enemy is determined to do when you are at a breaking point, the first thing he wants to do is isolate you. Because if he can isolate you, he can terminate you. Not only is our organization built on partnerships internally and externally, everything in the kingdom operates through partnerships. No one, no plant, no bush, no fish, no bird, no whale, no giant, no elephant can be fruitful by himself. So the more you isolate into a silo, the less chance you have of being fruitful. And you will notice up under great pressure and stress, as was so eloquently described before me, one of the things we have a propensity to do, the greater the pressure, the more we isolate ourselves. And every time you isolate yourself without knowing it, you terminate your dreams. Through cross-pollinization, fruit is born. Through relationships, babies are born. If you're going to be fruitful, you must be relational. So for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about partnerships. Our organization began to recognize that not only do we have partners that support our ministry on television and enable us to reach around the world that we traditionally call partners, we also have partnerships with other organizations that enhance us and enable us to go further than what a normal organization would be able to do with 300 employees. So that is when I partner with Sony or Simon & Schuster or I partner with Lay's Potato or I partner with Coca-Cola, when I enter into partnership without having to make payroll, I'm able to extend my reach my, by my ability to amass partnerships. I am going to say to you tonight that the goal and the multi-million dollar corporation that God has put in your heart and in your spirit that is going to come to pass not many days hence can only happen when you come out of that siloistic type of thinking and begin to embrace the fact that you can, your dream cannot give birth by yourself. Okay. 
And as you begin to understand that, we begin to realize that not only, we saw it quite clearly every year, the first of the year, we have a strategic alliance meeting where we bring together all the companies and corporations, both for-profit and not-for-profit, that we're going to do anything with that year. And we, we come together and we spend a day in a think tank plotting our course, because how can two walk together Save they agree. So we have a strategic alliance. It's much, it's much like going to a chiropractor. You go to a chiropractor so you can get into alignment so that your body will not be conflicted against itself. Because if you have a lot of pressure on the right side and compensate on the left side, you're going to pay a price because the body was designed to move you forward in systematic partnership. That's why God gave you two feet and two legs and two hands and two arms so that there would be a partnership and the whole body moves along. It only can move effectively when there is an agreement through all the parts being a part of a partnership. The reason that we have not to totally been able to be as successful as a people as we would like to be is because we have such a crab barrel mentality that we have never been able to come together and see the benefit of joining alliances so that we could move both of our dreams ahead more aggressively. And instead of being in collaboration, we insist on being in competition. And consequently, we don't reach the goals that we should have been able to reach because we have never understood the power of partnerships. That's why we have beauty shops written out a facility, massage parlors written out another facility, manicures written out another facility, paying all kinds of rent when they could get one rent, all move in the same building, increase their ability to be profitable, but they can't be profitable because they don't understand the power of partnerships. The only thing wrong with your dream is that you're trying to do it by yourself. I looked on the TV the other day, and, 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 and to my amazement, there stood Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, a dear friend, dear brother uh, that, that I've known for a number of years, standing on TV with Oprah Winfrey, who I've also worked with and done partnership with. And all of a sudden, I said to myself, what in the world does, does Howard have to do with Oprah? Does coffee have to do with entertainment? Starbucks makes coffee. Oprah makes television. Why? Television doesn't drink coffee. Coffee doesn't watch TV. Why are they collaborating together? It's because partnerships don't have to be parallels to be productive. In fact, partnerships are at their best when they form intersections rather than parallel deductives. The one thing, all you need, you don't have to be going the same way, you don't have to have the same objective, you don't have to produce the same product, but you have to find the common denominator. The common denominator between Starbucks and OWN is not coffee, it's not entertainment, it's people. And in order for, for any two things to collaborative, collaboratively move things ahead in a progressive fashion, you don't have to be going in the same direction. You just have to cross paths at the intersection of purpose. And the more you cross paths at the intersection of purpose, the more profitable you become. Profit is tied inextricably to purpose. In other words, God isn't going to make you rich because you want to be rich. Purpose and profitability are tied together. 
And until you understand purpose, you will never be profitable. Once you understand purpose, your mind can conceive the ability to partner. The reason that we can't partner is that we're after profit without purpose. And anytime you want profit without purpose, it's a me syndrome. It's about me. But if you understand purpose, it's about the goal. And it doesn't matter who carries the ball as long as we get the touchdown. And so I'm not afraid to toss the ball to somebody else because I'm not driven by bottom lines like my secular counterparts. I'm not driven by bottom lines alone. I am driven by a sense and an understanding of purpose. And if it serves the purpose, I will come to together with somebody that I may not even like. Because we don't have to go out and eat hot dogs and franks and weenies and, and eat bean pies in order to get together if it accomplishes the purpose. God is like this, it's just that his children are not. To accomplish his purpose, he used priests and prophets. He used seers and sages. He used holy women and whores. To accomplish his purpose, he used people who were renowned in the faith and he used heathens. To accomplish his purpose, he preached both through prophets and he preached through asses. To accomplish his purpose, God used Gentiles and Jews. To accomplish his purpose, he used unregenerated people and regenerated people. To accomplish his purpose in, earth, in order to bring Jesus, he used the Moabites, he used idolaters. He used people who were involved in incest. He used people that should not be in the lineage of Jesus, but to accomplish his purpose. Rahab could sit right beside Sarah to accomplish his purpose. And yet you have segmented yourself and can only work with people who think like you, walk like you, talk like you, and act like you, and you will never be able to loose your finances until you loose your thinking. For as a man thinketh in his heart, So is he. By faith, just reach over and touch somebody and tell them something's going to happen in here tonight. <laughs> this meeting comes at a strategic time in your life. It comes at a time that you have maxed out on the level that you're on and trying to figure out how do I get from where I am to where God has called me to be. It couldn't have been three months ago. It couldn't be three months later. It was called for such a time as this because you are trying to figure out why is everything going like it's going. I'm right on the verge. I'm right on the edge. I don't know how, what to go, who to talk to, where to go, what to get done to move into the next regime. And you've been praying, Lord, let somebody say something in this meeting that takes me to the next level. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I believe I'm speaking to somebody that's in this place tonight. Holla at your boy if I got it right. Tell somebody and tell them I'm at the breaking point. 
I would share with you what you do over the next few months will determine the next few years in your life. How you manage the critical mass of this moment will determine the outcome whether you acquiesce back to the gravitational pull of your ordinariness or whether you break through into another orbit and another dimension of who you are. I would suggest to you that everything you have gone through in your previous dimension has prepared you for this next dimension and you're right on the verge if you can master the breaking point. There comes a point in a marriage that you just got too much invested in it to get out. You don't stay together because you're happy every day. You don't stay together because you're romantic. You don't stay together because you're drinking champagne out of her shoe. Her shoe stinks. But you stay together. through bad breath, disease, affliction, disagreements, because you have so much emotional, financial, spiritual equity in the relationship that you're not willing to bankrupt the relationship for a temporary moment of gratification. You have invested in it. You are waiting for the harvest to come in your life, and you're not going to let any devil drive you out of your promised land until you get everything God God has promised you out of that partnership. Write this down. Strategic alliances are orchestrated by God. God, in other words, God orders your relationships. He brings you into relationships with people, places, things, corporations that you have no idea how a person like you ended up in relationship with a person like this. But because God has ordered your steps, he brings you into a strategic alignment for divine purpose. How you manage that relationship will determine your destiny. If you are too busy for the relationship, you are too busy for your resources because your resources come through your relationships. I'm talking to somebody. Relationships are hard work. They take a lot of energy and weak people jump out of them because they do not want to invest what it takes to make it work. But if you jump out, you lose all the advantages you had in. Hagar got sick of Sarah. I'm sick of her, fussing and hollering at me. I'm getting out of here. I can't have, I did what she told me to do. It was her idea for me to sleep with Abraham in the first place. She's putting all kind of pressure on me and her child and my child are out there trying to play and her child is mocking my child. Come here, Ishmael, I'm leaving. She goes out into the desert and almost dies because she lost the power of the partnership. God said, your provision is right in that problem. And until you go back and face the problem, you will lose your provision. 
What is killing you is that you're at the breaking point. And what you don't understand is God is trying to extend the distance that it takes for you to be on the edge by exposing you to trouble. Because God can only promote you to the level of your tolerance of pain. When you start saying, I can't handle it, I can't take it, I'm sick of this, I'm tired of it, you're not just getting rid of the pressure, you are also getting rid of the promise. Peter is at the breaking point. He's, at the, he's on the edge. He's been through hell and high water. He's been on a roller coaster ride. He has put his business on hold to follow his faith. He has given Jesus the use of his boats. He couldn't serve the master and fish. He believed in Jesus' dream enough that he put his business on hold because he could not figure out how to bring together missions and marketplace. So he said, I'm going headlong into the mission. I'm not going to worry about the marketplace. Here, Jesus, you can have my boat. I will sell you everywhere you need to go. And every time I sell you, I can't fish. Peter doesn't understand that Jesus is setting him up to go into the next dimension of his life. It will be similar to his former life. And let me prove it to you. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to take the principles that you did on one level and bring it into a power on the next level and nothing that you have been through will ever be wasted. I'm going to change your bait and I'm going to change your net and I'm going to change your fish, but the principles are going to be transferable truths. And so Peter starts following Jesus in the hope of destiny. I'm writing a book now called Destiny. And, and Peter is following him because Jesus has his destiny. That's the only reason to follow anybody. You don't follow people because they can preach. You don't follow people because they can sing. You don't follow people because they went to Harvard. You don't follow people because they went to Yale. You follow people because you sense that your destiny is tied to that person. And when everybody else leaves, even when they say something hard, like, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you'll have no part with me, and everybody else runs away, Jesus turns to Peter and says, hey, you going too? He said, I can't go nowhere, because in your hands are the words of eternal life. In other words, I can't be me without you. And he's following Jesus, and Jesus is taken in places and exposed him to things, and Peter finds purpose, and he's passionate, and he has to be corrected, and he does some dumb stuff, and, but he does some great stuff. He walks on the water. None of the other disciples had ever walked on the water. He's powerfully serving the Lord, but then he cut off some ears and cut some people out. And, <laughs> he's kind of like us. See, in church, we act like that we have no dark side. But the truth of the matter is, we have a dark side and a bright side, and we're all trying to get both sides to the other side. Oh, 
Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. It's about to get tough in here. You can't leave your dark side behind. You got to bring it all because Jesus is going to use both your strength and your weakness to get you to where he's trying to get you to go. Your strength is going to make you tough enough to get there and your weakness is going to make you humble enough to be grateful after you have arrived. Good God help me preach in here. Something is going to happen in this place. First thing that happens to Peter when God blesses him in the text, he says, depart from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. I'm a disciple, but I'm a sinful man. And Jesus is trying to make him understand it was never your righteousness that brought about anything in the first place. To God be the glory for the things. Oh, Lord, church people aren't going to say nothing when I talk about that. Lord have mercy, Peter's been at the breaking point. He's put, his, he's put his business on hold for three years. Jesus is talking about setting up the kingdom. He thinks surely if Jesus sets up the kingdom, my business is going to thrive. I'm going to be great. I'm going to be doing good. Jesus has said that the kingdom of heaven is like it under this. The kingdom of heaven is like it. And all the while he walked in the kingdom of heaven, Peter did, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to set up the kingdom. We got news for all y'all. We're setting up the kingdom. And the kingdom led to a cross. It was a breaking point. And when it broke, Peter went to cussing. <laughs> now don't talk about him too bad. Peter had a lot invested. Peter had given time and energy and resources and transportation for a number of years. And now everything is going down. How do you go back and tell your family that you followed this crazy guy to a cross? And Peter breaks up under the pressure, has a tantrum, has a fit, falls out, walks away, denies Jesus, even though Jesus knew he was going to deny him when he called him. He said, I prayed for you, not that you wouldn't fail, but that your faith, uh, y'all missed that. Let me talk to y'all over here. He didn't pray that Peter wouldn't fail. He prophesied that Peter was going to fail. He said, I'm not even praying that you won't fail. I'm praying that even while you're falling, your faith will be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding. If the church ever did teach the truth, we wouldn't be able to build buildings big enough to hold all the people. But because we are such phonies and hypocrites and trying to act like that we deserve to be blessed, we'll never see the blessing that we ought to take in. You see, the good news is the bad news is wrong. The good news is in spite of your insufficiencies, God had the prophetic flow over your life that he will shortly bring to pass. But Peter is struggling at the breaking point. Jesus rises from the dead and says, tell Peter to meet me. Yeah, go get the other disciples and Peter. He's trying to help Peter over the breaking point. Tell him to come too. Peter is sick of all of it. 
And he does whatever we, we, what, what we all do when we get to the breaking point. He goes to his default setting. He goes back to his old normal. You know, I'm good now. I can talk real nice up here because I'm not at the breaking point. If you push me to the breaking point, you will see Jake's with no bishop. So it's a matter of what is your normal? Peter is faced with a new normal, but he diverts to his old normal. He goes to his default setting and he says, I go a fishing. I'm going back to my business. I'm in this thing by myself. I do not see the correlation between the mission and the marketplace. I'm going back to the marketplace. I'm going to throw myself at my job. Ladies, let me tell you where men go when they're not happy. They go to work and work and work and work and work because work gives to us, responds back to us. It gives us back. It responds to us. Men like reaction. Peter says, what I'm doing is getting no reaction. I'm going back to the thing that gives me reaction. I go efficient. Never realizing that these other jokers who got on the boat don't know anything about fishing, but Peter's next dimension is being developed in him to the point that he is leading people who do not fish even when he's falling. Now you got all of them on the boat. They toiled all night and they haven't caught anything at all. And Peter can't figure out why he can't go back to who he was. He has underestimated the God encounter. And the way that God speaks to Peter to get his attention is through business deals gone bad. Whenever what you used to do doesn't work and you throw your net like you used to throw it in the place that you used to throw it and you used to be able to throw it and it doesn't work and you pull in absolutely nothing, God is trying to tell you something. You wouldn't hear me through my word, so since you're carnal, I'm going to speak to you through your circumstances and I am going to let you pull in nothing after nothing after nothing until you find out that without me, you can do So he threw his net and he made the phone call and he made the deal and signed the contract and pulled in nothing. Every time he pulled in, something was wrong. Everything, every time he went out, something was wrong. And Jesus comes walking down on the beach and hollers at the boy and says, hey, have you any meat? In other words, Jesus is saying, how's that working for you? How is the marketplace working for you without respect for the mission? Have you any meat? Peter says, I've been working overtime. I've been toiling all night. 
I've been on the job in the morning. I've been on the job in the night. And in spite of all the things that I know how to do, I'm an experienced fisherman. He says, I have caught nothing. And then Jesus says to him, I'm going to take the anointing that you saw me do healing the sick and raising the dead, turning water into wine, raising Lazarus from the dead, and I'm going to anoint you to do business. I'm going to anoint you for increase. I'm going to anoint you to prosper. I'm going to anoint you to get ahead. I'm going to anoint you to go into the next dimension. I'm going to anoint you to go to the next level. I'm going to show you exactly where to do it to make it work. You know how, but God knows where. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm talking to somebody tonight. You're good at what you do. You got experience. You know how to do it, but God knows where it will work. Location, location, location. Where is the fruitful spot for me to throw my net? I need a word of knowledge to show me where I need to go. If you would speak in my spirit about my circumstances, we would form an intersection between the marketplace and mission, between who you are in church and who you are on Monday morning. If you would bring your Sunday anointing into your Monday experience, you would explode. You would close that deal. No other salesman would be able to close that deal because no other salesman has the anointing on him like the anointing is on you. But because you left the anointing in your Sunday morning experience and didn't bring it into your Monday morning conquest, you're not getting the harvest that you ought to get because God is determined to show you, you can't do this without me. <clears throat> but that's really not the point of what I came to tell you. The point is, the Bible says that they threw in the net and the net began to break. And the first thing that occurs to me is why did you throw in a net in the first place? If you really had faith for harvest, why are you only throwing one net at it? It is a tragedy of crippled thinking, of low expectations, of doing hard work with small vision. You threw in one net into a big opportunity. And all of a sudden, he takes in a great drought of fishes. And the net began to break. It is amazing to me. The man is at a breaking point. His life is at a breaking point. And now the tangible expression of the breaking point is showing up in his business. His net began to break. This is the cap off point in churches, in business, in ministries, you grow so high, you come back down. You grow so high, you come back down. You grow so high, you come back down. You, you're coming to a point that you can't get beyond. One, because you're only throwing one net and you don't know how to get beyond the breaking point. 
and you will never get beyond the breaking point by yourself. You cannot throw a small net at a big situation. You need a dream, first of all, that's worthy of God. He's thrown him into an ocean-like opportunity and he's throwing a net at it. How can you bring in what God showed you in your spirit with one net, with only you and your daughter working on it? How can you do exploits with narrow-mindedness? You're throwing a net at it. That's what's causing the stress. That's what's causing the pressure. That's what's causing the mood swings. You are throwing too little at too much because you are a limited resource. Your dream is bigger than you. And the Bible says that his nets began to break. If the net breaks, even at the intersection between mission and marketplace, all is lost. Everything is on the edge. Every time a piece of twine snaps, a blessing that was meant for him, held for him, and ordered for him is about to get away. He has the tough decision. Do I pull it in by myself and risk losing it all? Or do I call for my partners? If you don't develop a partnership approach to your vision and your dream, you will die without ever knowing who you were created to be because you are the flashpoint. You are the catalyst of something that is much bigger than you. And until you become inclusive instead of exclusive, you'll always be limited. Anybody who has to have their hands on everything can only have two things. I'm going to say it again. Anybody who has to have his hands on everything can only have two things. Micromanaging gives micro profitability. Until you can run around with your great self, with other great people surrounding you, you will never be able to survive the breaking point. If you are the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. You have to be in a room with people who have gifts and talents and resources and ability, and you've got to be able to release them at the breaking point. I'm trying to tell you, Paul, you can't get out of jail without Silas. Silas isn't gonna write no books. He's not gonna do any mighty works, but I brought him into partnership so that when you all come together and touch and agree, every jailhouse is about to come down in your life. Excuse me, I'm about to get happy for a minute. I feel somebody's jail. I'm about to rock somebody's jail tonight. The whole thing is about to come down. 
Touch me, people, tell them I'm coming out of this. 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 I'm coming out. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out. I'm coming out through partnerships. I'm coming out through relationships. I'm coming out through my connections. I can't do it by myself, but I'm coming out of this in the name of the Lord. Somebody give him 30 seconds of Holy Ghost supernatural praise. to tell you that your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has entered into your heart what God has in store for them that love him. Whatever God is about to give you is so big that you cannot bring it in by yourself. Grab your neighbor and pull on them and say, help me bring this in. finish. I know you've been toiling all night. I know you had a season of distress. I know your nerves have been fried. I know you've been waking up in the middle of the night saying, Lord, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm at the breaking point. But the Lord sent me all the way from Dallas, Texas to say if any two of you agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done. somebody said let's bring it in let's bring it in let's bring it in let's bring it in it's too big for me I need some help I want to explain something to you the reason it's going to be big is because God's going to bring you in the restoration you've lost a lot of time throwing your net and catching nothing. But God said, I'm going to restore unto you the years that the canker worms and the palmer worms and the locusts ate up. So get you some partners and bring them all around the boat for your latter day shall be greater than your former day. I got to stop. I'm out of time. Give God a praise right now. say one more thing. I know I'm over time now. I'm over time. I'm, I'm, I'm in the chicken wing time now, but, <laughs> but 
grab your neighbor by your hand and say, I need you to help me break through my breaking point. I want you to squeeze their hand like you're going to squeeze it off. Everything that's been holding you back from doing what God created you to do, the devil is a liar. Tonight is your night. We're going to break through the breaking point.